0: Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking pennies. Welcome back. I'm joined here in studio with an extra special guest who y'all might be familiar with. Mr. Ryan Flores is in studio with us. Say hey to the listeners. It's nice to see you down here. I'm not on dial-up internet today. Maybe yeah. you'll hear me. Or on your cell phone, scratchy audio. We got... Rolling Thunder, a.k.a. Blue Mountain Takes,
1: and Chuck Bush in the back producing this thing up. Welcome to the show. You know what I like about the Blue Mountain Takes with Merriman is on the shot if uh, I I clip out this bit, which I might not clip out this bit. Who knows? We'll clip out something from it. But there is a solid blue in the icon mark that is right behind his head. (laughs) Old blue takes. That's
0: why we sit him over there in the corner.
2: uh, Turn my mic off, Chuck. I can't hear myself.
3: No, I can hear you just fine.
2: Uh yeah. yeah, so you're not working out today either. No, so. hey,
3: got it in yesterday. We had a little bit of a team Penske meeting, did film review yesterday, take the day off, and go back in tomorrow. So why'd you get why'd you get the day off? Oh, we just had a team meeting yesterday. Um, you know, just a scheduled meeting yesterday. So they just kind of I was trying to get it pushed so we wouldn't have to practice on Thursday because we're going to Austin early. We are bringing the wives out there, but uh, but yeah, they took today off and we'll go back in tomorrow and get after it. So I figured I'd drive down here and check this place out. What do you think about it? It's pretty nice. It is pretty nice. It's a lot nicer than the office that I usually podcast yeah, I mean, with you guys. I got of. some comfy couches down here in the basement,
0: secluded in NASCAR productions, where we film this thing for y'all every week. We had a good old fashioned, as Martin Truex Jr. like to say, ass whipping this weekend by Hendrick Motorsports. One, two, three, and four. four. God almighty. Not a not
2: a bad week to be Rick Hendrick.
0: I said that about halfway through. I said, man, it's a pretty good week to be driving a Hendrick car, I would say. They hope some bitches were like rockets.
2: So I'm going to give you my either hot take or ice cold take. Jimmy Johnson retired a year too early. He could be running for an eighth championship right now. With the way those cars are running, am I right or wrong?
0: Uh, You are correct, but um, do we we pit Jimmy Johnson at the stage he is in his career right now up against – Kyle Larson or Chase Elliott. I'm
2: not saying that Larson isn't right now a better race car driver than Jimmy, but just in a in a fantasy world, you know, Jimmy Johnson's gotta be kicking his own ass right now because he could be winning races.
1: That I, I that's what I, I'm I'm with Merriman on this one because I feel like if he had stuck it out to see where they are right now, he might have won another race. Yes. And he which if he won one race, that would put him in the playoffs theoretically which meant that he would have had another shot to get that eighth Fair. championship. He's got he still has enough talent that he could have made that happen if things fell. Now, granted, Chase hasn't won a race yet, but you know H-
0: Hang on. But I don't want to move too far from okay. the Jim- Jimmy Johnson is the greatest NASCAR driver to ever step through the window. Could guys. be
2: could be if he stayed another year and no, won championship. No. No, th- he, this is not
0: a 1000% a is. no debate. We, can say we are Dale. talking
3: like, Hendrick cars weren't very good last year, though. They did win the championship. So it's not like he stepped out of a, a, a Rick Ware car but, just yes. to leave. You know what I mean? So, But they are better now. I and mean,
2: they also weren't you know, sweeping the top four Well, the pa-
3: they didn't have 750 package. We're back at 750 package, which falls, more, more often than not. falls right. into his wheelhouse. Bag. Well, I think they added, what, four or five 750 tracks. They went back. to We're going
0: Darlington twice, 750 package. Get rid of the big-ass spoiler. Give us some horsepower. spin some tires. Love to see it. I'm not going to argue with that take, but I think I think that Kyle Larson's self preservation level is astronomically lower than what Jimmy's was at the end of his career. Yeah, yeah. is that fair to say? Definitely, Definitely, sure. Agree with that. Like my like Randy LaJoy says, when your wallet gets a little too fat, you can't quite push gas pedal down quite as hard. <laughs> Do I agree with that? <laughs> Probably not. But
1: I don't argue with the old man. I just think I think the take is he could have contended for that eight. There's nothing, I'm not saying anything that he was not the GOAT, because he is, of this era, he is the greatest
2: NASCAR driver. Now you're backtracking. No, now you're backtracking. He is. Back it up, Terry. I'm putting put it in reverse.
1: <laughs> I, hate compare, I hate comparing eras. Like, I hate saying, oh, this guy's better than Richard Petty, or this guy's better than Dale Earnhardt. That's why they, we do this show. I know, but I'm just saying that it's like the LeBron versus Michael Jordan thing. Oh, okay. like, there's really no answer. So, so we just debated in circles. Jimmy Johnson is the greatest for when he was. Who's Had the greatest
2: race car, not NASCAR driver, race car driver of Jimmy Johnson's era? Like across race car driver F one. Yes, that's
0: a broad question, Jimmy and we Johnson. need. I feel like we need the uh, we need some. Parameters to fit it within. Well, I mean, you everything. Say, like well, who, who, who's Where's in L- the
3: conversation? Lewis Tony Hamilton?
0: Stewart,
2: I think, is it.
3: Well, he worked for him, so he can attest whether he was or not. I mean, look, Tony. Tony raced against Jimmy his whole career. Tony won three, and, and Jimmy won seven. Right? Yeah, but Tony but was nothing successful
2: in IndyCar. But yeah. nothing
3: <laughs> successful in IndyCar. You know, I think Jimmy making the jump late this late in his age to IndyCar. Those IndyCar guys get after it. But. You got to put in perspective. Tony
0: Stewart did. He jumped in IndyCar when there was no other option for him. He had to drive
3: and put his right foot on the on the wood just to make enough money to pay the bills. Well, right? he also was a groomed IndyCar driver at that time. He came up through the open wheel ranks from yeah, USAC, asphalt sprint you know, cars to yeah. IndyCar, and his success in IndyCar launched him into you know a, a Bush car and then into a Cup car. It wasn't White one as a rookie. Yeah, it wasn't an abrupt jump though from Cup. To Indy, right? Yeah. Like that. Th- what Jimmy's doing right now, I, I think. I think there's a, f- a fantasy that you want him to jump in that car and haul ass and be great. But those IndyCar car guys, I know they have a tough transition when they come to NASCAR. But it ain't easy. I think it's an easier transition
0: to go from Indy car to a NASCAR to other other way around. That's that's my take. I can elaborate on it, but I don't think we need to.
3: Maybe not on oval. We'll never know, though. No,
1: I just. I wondered to Merriman's question, though, like you're you're are we limiting ourselves to North America on this? No, like well, this is. Yeah. <laughs> like to me, we like, only have race cars in North right America. now. I really like, just want to talk about Dover. Yeah, that's what I, well, 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 no, I well, said. Who's who's in the conversation?
3: I mean, Tony Stewart, Jimmy Johnson, L- Lewis, Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton, Schumacher's in there because he was part of that. Gordon. Kyle Busch. Yeah, he's in there. Kyle Busch. Gordon,
2: um, Gordon. No, Gordon's not in the com- – Gordon's How's Gordon not in generation? the conversation? Remember think- like end of 2000, like like 2010,
0: 2000, like every week Kyle Busch was winning a, a truck race Xfinity, or sometimes, most of the time, all three. Yeah, it was yeah. like two years ago. Don't discredit. <laughs> no, it was a little more than that, like when he was completely dominant yeah. before there was the Xfinity uh, regulations. I yeah. just
2: love these broad arguments. Yeah.
1: There's
0: no. Well, I I do too, and that's what pe- That's why they make week long serious shows all day long just to do about the hypothetical conversations. But we don't need to have those, Merriman.
1: We, we will have one of those. I want to have one. Okay, of those. Chuck be- keeps bringing it up. Let's <laughs> well, no, talk no. about that. Maybe, maybe, maybe not necessarily today. I'm saying, you know, because I know there's a show that you worked on a little bit. You did some interviews for uh, the the documentary that is going to be on Fox, I think, after the Charlotte Xfinity race, the Bad Boys documentary. It's about rivalries. Talking What's, about me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, of, yeah, 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 yeah. Back yeah, in the in yeah. that little old warehouse. That was a yeah. pretty cool shoot. We'll get into that, I think, a little bit more next week and kind of tease it because yes. I think the show premieres after the Xfinity race in Charlotte. Yes. Because that's the type of conversation that we can have. But like you said, Dover this weekend was old-school domination well,
0: I, I want to I talk about the the rival topic a little bit because yeah. we need some more rivalries in
3: the Cup Series. Why don't That's you go what, wreck somebody, Corey? I've got a good rivalry well, for you because I we, there,
0: there is a rivalry, a bloom in my career. Uh, I feel like it's been brewing for the last couple of weeks, and it came to a head, lap 24 at Dover before the cop caution even happened, and
3: our pit road boats and woes analyst had a front row shot of it. I literally, sometimes I'll like, I got done doing my stuff, and I'll look up, and I've seen Corey. I'm like, oh, how's he running? And Eric Jones all but wrecked you getting in the one. I was like, "What was that?" What had happened was,
0: so I was, I don't know, twenty call twenty third, right? We start twenty six, passed a couple cars, car drove good, running two or three, two or three car lengths ahead of the forty three. He starts making the top kind of go. So I'm I'm kind of peeking in the mirror, and he's half back, one back, and he gets a good three and four, and I'm. Coming out of the, Come on off the bottom, and we were cleared. That's a tough angle for the spotters because they're coming at you out of four, and you can't quite tell. He barely had – he might have had three inches of his left front fender in the right recorder, and he just stayed in it, hooked me into the fence, flattened the right side, and then continued to pick me up and shove me off. Should have backed in the fence, but good thing I'm a good race car driver. Saved our car from being destroyed. Gathered it up. Come down pit road. Got the lucky dog. Um and that ultimately ran something over, which lost a couple laps. But point being, I'm not saying I'm a retaliator, but that one's in the bank. And it will be that that little check coupon since we're you know, used to going to the old casino this past week at Dover. That one will get cashed at one point between now and Phoenix, I can promise you.
2: What makes you decide to take care of it outside the race car versus inside the race car? Uh,
0: I don't like to use – well – so he cost us spots, right, from not getting – I mean, that we were 22 laps into a 400-lap race. So I feel like there's a little bit of give and take that he didn't give. So I just keep that in the memory bank. So uh, between now – I mean, there's lots of laps between now and Phoenix that when he's having a pretty good day and I'm there with him, I'll probably cost him a couple spots too.
2: But where's where's your line between So I, like I think going you, full Hemrick?
0: So you, di- you differentiate – um that's a good question you differentiate uh like ra- a racing incident like that was an actual racing incident right because he was trying to take a lane that might not have been there and then you go so that you chalk that up is like racing incident right so now you just i know that he's not going to give me any room i'm not going to give him zero room whatsoever and probably take a little bit of room sometimes when t- when time comes so it's intent
2: if he meant it's intent
0: it right-, right so you go to a Noah Gregson, Daniel Hemrick thing where Noah, so in in the in the heat of the battle, Hemrick thought that Noah just backed right up into his car to give damage. Where he was just really trying to get it back into his box. So he thought that he was just, the intent of trying to damage his car warranted him getting out and wanting to whoop his ass.
3: But it wasn't just that one situation. It had from what I understand, with been Daniel brewing. and Noah had been brewing, and then yeah. you know as well as I know, Noah can get under your skin. Yes. So I think Daniel had had, had enough, and that was I, that was a frustrating situation when he backed up into him. But like you said, when when he. He shoved you in the corner so hard on lap 25 of a 30. You know, oh, I, I knew it was early because we had a comp, comp caution at yeah. 35. Yeah. And I was like, man, I he shoved you so deep in the corner, you guys disappeared. I just put my helmet on because I thought the caution was coming out. I thought it was coming out, so, too. I, had, I was assholes and elbows trying to keep out of the fence. <laughs> so, like,
0: the, you know, the tangle, we smashed the fence, right? I gather back up. And then just the fact that he ships you down in the corner with almost zero chance of saving it, um, that's like, okay, guy. You will get that back, like because that intent was like he
3: was trying to end our day. Now, so I'm with you, you're my buddy, mm-hmm. but could you have given a little bit there too and left the lane? Is that in that situation? Let's play devil advocate here.
0: Yeah, so if I was on, if the shoe was on the other foot, I wouldn't have tried to make a lane on the top in the position that it was lap 22 of, or lap whatever. 22. Yeah. Like you've been three car lengths back for the entire run. And all of a sudden, you get one halfway decent corner, and you try to put it on the right rear. It'd be one thing if his left front was, like, my right rear tire. Like, it was two inches of fender in there. And you guys have never had problems before. He's just he he been racing me tough because we've been racing around the 43 quite often, and he's just one of them guys that puts it on your door, doesn't give you the room. So like,
2: But what kind of spot is he in, though? I mean, he's used to running at the 20. He's now in the 43. I'd probably I mean, be a little bit ticked off, too, if I was making a couple million too.
0: bucks a year and – Running top ten, and now I got fired, and now I got to run. You well, I'm know, not trying 40. to get
2: personal with. Yeah, him, but, man, jeez. So, <laughs> well, what do you mean?
3: <laughs> the the wound. Let's put the band aid back on jeez. that wound. Yeah, before well, gets well, too I'm far just saying. Here.
2: Look, you know his situation's got to be pretty irritating too. He's. But look, everybody's out there trying to get what they Well, good. and
0: then the flip side, flip side. He he has been running around the twenty car a lot, right? So like, granted, the we saw Chris Bell win the Daytona Road Course. But the 20 didn't run great this past weekend. There's a lot of times the 43 is running around the 20. So um, whether that's the 20 is probably not keeping pace with the other three cars or well, Eric's carrying that thing. You race around guys, like you can tell Eric Jones is a good race car driver. He's
2: getting to his stretch too because when it gets hot outside is when he starts. You know, when he was at Gibbs, he get to the summer stretch. He passes 600, and that dude's got like 10 straight top 10s over the course of the summer. So tell about Eric. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean – Hot and slick, man, puts it a little bit more into the driver's hands. It puts it a little bit, obviously, into the, into the car with downforce numbers and stuff like that. But I think you are starting to see guys who, um, when you put the when you put horsepower back in and you are feathering that thing, whether it be Darlington last week, Dover this week, man, those things are hard to drive and it's a blast. Uh, so I think you that's you might not see three wide ten laps after a restart because you are sliding around. You don't want anybody tighten your doors. So I mean. I, I love I love it. I What's, think cup cars should be hard to drive, what but it, it doesn't deliver a good show sometimes.
1: Well, what is and, and speaking of the show and and you know we always talk about was it a good race? Uh, Dover is one of those tracks that I feel like that's sort of I hate the phrase it's a driver's track, but you always hear kind of guys talk about wanting to win in Dover, wanting to win that that monster trophy. Is it just because it's such a demanding racetrack physically? Like what is it about that place that is it fun to drive like explain to the fans like what it is about Dover
0: It's the most physically demanding track we go to Bristol you could probably say it is but the there's more g-load on your body there lower back gets fired up like a lot of the places we go to the left side of your neck obviously gets gets worn out because you have that like the load pushing your helmet to the right well at Dover you you get that like vertical load so you land and then your helmet's actually like trying to like go, you're almost trying to look at your lap Because that it's like a more of a vertical G load. So the back of your neck, like muscles that you're not used to working out, get worked there at Dover. And every time I go there for the 400 lap race, I actually asked the old man yesterday because I said on the radio, I'm like, I can't imagine these guys running five hundred. Yeah, I was gonna say used to be five, dude. Those guys were men. Now, Dad's like, "Hey, and we didn't have no damn air conditioning, none of the power steering,
1: right?" And back in my day, and and I'm like, "Hang on, on,
0: time out, Pop. Y'all were also running four seconds slower than what we were there. (laughs) So, like, let's let's call it for what it is. But those guys were men back in the day, and uh, I love watching some old school uh, Dover videos. Those. Those places I sent him a video that NASCAR posted somebody blew like a right front in the first race there on concrete. Oh yeah. I don't know who that guy was but he's
3: not he's, hurt. He, he's still, he's still hurt. stuck in the fence. <laughs> but I think that I think that Chuck's point I think one of the things about Dover as well is it's like a Darlington like like a couple of tracks that you go to where you're not going to you're not going to luck into a win there. You have to have a complete day. You see um you see a lot of things happen there with loose wheels or stuff breaking, or if your car doesn't handle, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna go there and and fuel mileage that race, or you're not gonna go there and stay out on two tires and win that race. You have to have a total team day. Your car has to work. Your pit crew has to be on it, and and you have to be good as a driver. And I think that's that's what we saw. That's why you see the Hendrick cars able to go there with a certain package and be so dominant because. They they had their shit together. Yeah. Right. And you're not going to go there and be a little bit off and win that race. And that's no. why that's why it's so important to win there for some guys. Because, you know, with the with the five fifty package, we see if you get a good restart and you get the right lane and get a good push, you can win the race. Same thing with Talladega, same thing with a lot of these a lot of these tracks we go to, repave, staying out, strategy, fuel mileage. Dover's not that. Mm-hmm. Dover's straight up, put it on the table and let's see who's going to win. It's this also thing. a place too where there's some places where you can
0: throttle back the like your the effort level from 100 or even you know you'd never really go 100 unless it's like the pay window's open last green flag restart or, or whatever. You when you throttle back from like 98% to like 94% and you can still make speed like a Kansas like a fill in the blank, right, Charlotte. But Dover's a place if you aren't 98 99% the entire day, you are slow and in the way. So that's another reason why there's so much um, I guess validation when you get one of those Dover trophies because you know you stayed in it all day you're you were able to adjust because the track from the start of a restart when the those hot tires after a, a caution pick up the rubber and it's back to a green track and then it gets laid down your your way you attack the track whether it's diamond in it or wrap the apron or move all the way to the top like it changes every lap and I think that we see guys like Bowman like Larson some Possibly some dirt backgrounds that can search for the moisture. Uh, it it probably relates to Dover as one of the most sa- like the same kind of feel where you're looking for grip each and every lap.
2: Last thing I had on my mind was Almirola was having a good day. God,
0: no, whenever he th- wasn't. Yeah, anytime I think I'm having a bad year, which I, I feel like we have some bad luck. I look at the ten car. I'm like, at least I'm not having a year like that.
2: Well, I was listening. So I listened. I was on the way home from Gigi. I was listening to the race on the radio. And it was like, oh, Eric Almirola, he's up there. You know, he's not contending for a win. He's doing well. Doing- a top 15, yeah. he would punch somebody in the mouth for a top 15 finish at this point. Yeah. Good Lord.
1: And he smokes the fence. And that, that interview of him uh, coming out of the care center, I think Kim Kuhn talked to him. Uh, he just sounded it, – it, it,
2: The way his year's going, I'm yeah. surprised the camera didn't stop working in the <laughs> middle of the damn interview. Yeah, he's he, I, It's It is I – and mean, look – I don't think it's anything he's doing.
0: Well, and he even said I read I read some a transcript of what he said. He's like, Man, my body's hurting. Like yeah. I don't like I don't want to take any more hits like that. Yeah. People just take for granted, like, you know, we got the safe for barrier, quote unquote, right? And like this the seats are safe. All the safety equipment's astronomically higher than what it was ten years, fifteen years ago.
1: You're still going from, Bro, if you forty five G,
0: fifty yeah. G right front hit hurts what's, really what's,
1: bad. What's the top speed at Dover?
0: 180 probably, 185. And going from that
1: to zero in how long? Well, you don't go to zero, I
0: mean, right? Quite, but you change yeah. direction at probably 65, 70 miles an hour. Yeah. If
2: you hit if you hit anything hard enough to either knock an oil line off and car, cause a fire or a brake line, like that.
0: I can't even begin to tell the listeners how bad that hurts. Like, it just hurts. Like, it knocks the wind out of you, and you might knock on wood. You might not get a concussion, but your bell is rung yeah. till like, Thursday. And then when you go from, like, Eric, you got in that pretty big front-end hit at Darlington. Jesus. And then you turn back around six days later, and you pile-drive one in on the fence at Dover. Like, that stuff does take its toll. So, you hate to see Eric having a year like he's having. When- There's obviously not a whole lot of speed in them Stuart Haas cars. Uh, we're starting to see them turn around a little bit. But you, I went back and watched the 2018 race at Dover. Stuart Haas was four of the top five. Yeah. So, they hit on something similar so the way Henrik did, but, um, and and that just goes to show how much they've missed it.
1: It's like we were talking about before the show, like teams and racing in general, it kind of goes through cycles. Sometimes like this team is up top and they're the ones that are dominating everything. Yep. And then they just, something's off. You can't quite put your finger on it. You don't know exactly what it is. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's back. And Hendrick gets four, like we were saying for a while, is Hendrik done as a dynasty? And then boom, they get all four cars.
0: Well, Ryan worked in the aero department to her house for years and. He can he can talk about how like the the gains and
3: advantages and the losses all ebb and flow at, for the quarters of the year. Yeah, so what they what the the thing I was gonna bring up um is Storehouse is probably one of the most aero sensitive groups there is. They they own Gene Haas owns wind shear. They have a ton of wind tunnel time. When I was there, you know, the Aero Group is is pretty advanced and what they did at the beginning of the year is they came out with a new template that um we call they call it the, tombstone. the tombstone that fits has to fit watertight into your wheel opening so you can change the wheel openings on the car and it changes your aero balance quite a bit well now everybody has the same wheel opening and they kind of caught everybody by surprise and what that does and rodney said not to interrupt you rodney said it knocked over 100 counts out of their cars so you think okay well they lost some downforce well that changes the complete balance of your car whether it's front down like when i was there we ran a 10 percent a freer balance for Tony than we did for Ryan, right? So, so you have, we would run different things for Newman when he was driving that car than when Tony did. And they wouldn't work just because of the balance. And you have your, your arrow balance and then your, you know, what mechanical your chassis is doing, right. mechanical <clears throat> grip. So those guys have leaned heavy for a long time on their arrow balance. Hang on. Let's, let's explain to the listeners a little bit. So
0: what you're looking at when a when tunnel, when a wind starts blowing on the car, It's on scale pads and it gives you counts, right? Well, counts translate to about, was it 2.2 or so So, pounds? Yes, almost. almost So let's just say, for example, if Rodney is probably even on the lesser side, maybe he's exaggerating. Let's just call it 100. He, He said 100. Let's use 100. 100 counts would be 220 pounds of force pushing that car down. That's just free speed. Yeah. So if you legitimately took, if you set 200 pounds of weight, on the back of a car and made that thing grip that much more. But also, you weren't carrying that weight per se because the car doesn't get heavier. Just the what, the amount of force that pushes down, they lost just because of a simple template on the wheel tubs or the wheel openings of those cars. So like, even something like that can take you from a dominant team to a 10th to 15th. That's just how hard the Cup Series
3: is. Now, was. and it's easy to say that, right? So it's the same for everybody now. But they were more reliant on... The, the you you say counts and you think overall downforce but you have side force that that factors into it really big you have front down force rear down force and then drag so they haven't found their balance back between that with their mechanical grip and but it's just like how hendrick was off for a couple of years these guys are going to figure it out and sometimes when i've been on teams if we're a little bit slow this time of year it's good because you're working to get back ahead so that way you yeah. know, when you get to September, October, you're stronger. You know, yeah. how many times have we seen people fire off the season super dominant, and then when it comes time for the playoffs, they're I mean, it. look when Joey, look when Joey won the championship. Look at Joey last year; he was terrible, and then he's in the final four. So don't count Storehouse out now.
2: It's like yeah. your high school girlfriend peaked too soon. <laughs> she's working That's at Starbucks. Yeah, then she's a
0: then she's just a, a, a little short, short, tubby girl when she's 26, yeah. with four kids. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, hey, we got the, the old two-car had a little boats and woes moment that uh, Ryan Flores may or may not have saved the day. Let's break that down here after the break. All right, we had a uh, couple pit road boats and woes this past weekend. We run something over quick during the green flag sequence. We had to come in and put right sides on it. Uh, ultimately lost two laps, which probably – handicapped our day but the two had an interesting stop what happened to y'all
3: yeah so we run in the back you know the back half of the top 10 anywhere from sixth to eighth Was probably where we run and it was gonna be a solid day i don't think we had anything for the hendrick cars but we come in second to last uh pit sequence there and a lug nut on the left front actually shot when you watch it in slow-mo from the left rear went in the wheel spun around the wheel and when uh, my carrier jesse was putting it on it got stuck in between the brake caliper and, and the, the and the spoke of the wheel, so you see that a lot, kind of happen between the like a lug nut will get between the hat like where the like the hub and the wheel, and it's pretty noticeable. the 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 wheel won't run up, uh, your lug nuts won't run up. But I kind of felt it as I was going that it wasn't tightening flat, and it wasn't like a big red flag. You know what's wrong? It's just something from the experience of doing it that you knew like something felt off, and then I saw it. But the car's getting ready to drop at that point, so I kind of locked up and I tried to hit it with my gun, and I wasn't going my... to
0: hit the socket to the lug nut. That was yeah, the like try to knock
3: it out. I didn't know what to do. I like locked up because it was like <laughs> one of those weird things, and I didn't want to stop the car because I didn't know it felt if it might have been tight. So we ended up sending the car, and I talked to our, our crew chief Jeremy Bowens, was not there. Talked to Grant, our interim crew chief, and we ended up bringing it back down, which was good because what can happen there is the lug nut can. Um, it gets spit out, obviously, when you roll away, but it can also knock the valve stem off. But when, when we tightened the wheel, good thing we brought it back down because it wasn't super noticeable, but it did hold it back from being able to get the wheel tight. So there was only one lug nut tight. So we lost all our track position. Since we came back down, uh, we started behind all the lapsed That's got to be a tough too. call
0: for you to decide whether to give up all the track position and hope that it's tight. Or decide to just ship it.
3: Yeah, it's a, it was pretty black and white that it wasn't right. Um and, and that's a place where you don't risk it, right? Maybe if you're if you're somewhere different, uh, with, with a little bit less load that you come back come you don't come back down or you try to if you're dominating the race, but you know, instead of giving up a fourteenth place finish, you know, you, you end up running thirtieth because you pit it off sequence and yep. you're lap down and you're not gonna get another caution. So yeah, it didn't work out. Uh for us, thankfully we weren't. You know, leading by two seconds when it happened. Yeah. But, but the big thing from this week and the big takeaway is where was the race won? It was on one pit road. road. So I, I know the 48, they worked on their car all day. They weren't the best car they ran with us. kind of. Which
0: they say was the fastest pit stop of the year. Now you argue the contrary. But per some sources, an 11-8 by the 48 crew on that last stop to beat the 5 off pit road was the fastest
3: pit stop of the year. So I, it was a fast stop. And it could be why do some
0: people think it was the fastest stop,
3: just off of their data, okay right, so uh, we believe the fastest stop of the year from what everything I've seen was done last week, maybe by the eighteen team in Darlington and eleven three uh we are the whole bar is moving down, everybody's getting faster, you know last year you saw in eleven it was pretty pretty outstanding this year if you're doing twelves it's just normal if you're in the thirteens you're slow, yeah, so what we saw there was you you see the the 48 doing 11 on their last stop, the 5 car does a 13 flat. Not a terrible stop, not a great stop. Not good not enough. A, not a stop that's going to win you a race in that situation. So you give up You give up the choose, he yep. gets the jump, and you, you drive off to victory. So Good night, Sally. You know how hard it is to pass it over? Mm. Especially for the win, I wouldn't know. Easiest uh, way to do it is on pit road. It's easy. They got that
0: 48 car in victory lane, which uh, he is jumping on the show with us here later on, guys.
3: Stand by for old Alex Bowman. Hey, if you're gonna have Bowman on, you can ask him about his first ever Xfinity race, Pit Road whoa. He was running in the top ten. I the ninety nine Yours, 99 car yours probably. truly. Oh yeah. Chicago, I believe. Yours truly. Loose left rear. Pulled him out of contention. So uh We'll have to ask him about that. He's he's prospered past that point <laughs> in his career. And so have I. All, all he needed was to drop you. Might be a reason why I'm a front tire changer now instead of a <laughs> rear. But uh but yeah, he's been good. He's been good uh since he got in the old Alex series. Bowman come a
0: long way. Cool, cool to see him, him, him getting that 48 car in victory lane at Dover. Again, he's on a tu- he's on a run this year. I'm interested to see what he's got to say. Uh, we're going to Coda this week. A track originally built for Formula 1 cars. Yeah. Where have you – obviously, nobody, no pit crew has seen the wall, per se. So, do, is, do you anticipate any differences from a normal pit wall to this weekend?
3: I don't know what it's going to be. Like, there's no pit wall there. When you pull up Google Maps of it, there's no pit wall. It's just open. I think trailer. there's a wall. I got a picture that says they must not be up They put they put a wall up now from then but uh but I think the biggest thing that you're going to see is you p- see um that there's a big slope on the front stretch. Mm-hmm. Does pit road have that hill as well. No. Okay, so it's flat. It's it starts going after the pit road. So what you can do is, is an elevation change or the slope of pit road is what you will see. That's that's when you'll see tires getting away or or uh, different different types of thing you'll see a penalty or or them slowing stops down but the interesting part about this weekend is you're going to find out in that 50-minute practice do tires fall off do they not what are tires worth and do you figure out if you're going to run the race backwards like we've seen them do at Watkins glen in years past to uh to just to try to be up front with, yep. with the right amount of fuel the thing that changes that game now stage racing so Mm -hmm. see where the stages fall it's going to be interesting going to be a lot of strategy i think there's gonna be some pit road boats and woes just like always races are won and lost on pit road we've gone we've gone to uh to race tracks like that thinking you're going to do two pit stops and then you go to the roval and you do eight yeah so we'll see where tires go hopefully uh get them all tight
0: a lot of unknowns this weekend going in dakota down there in austin texas we're gonna see how weird it is stay tuned
4: So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app.
0: That's all one word, Broomgate. All right, guys, very special guest this week, two-time winner on the season, first-time winner at Richmond, backed it up with a big win at Dover. Mr. Alex Bowman, thanks for joining Stack and Penny. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. Where are you at currently? You got the Exalta
5: shadow box fire suit in the back with the shoes. Where where are you at currently? So I'm at my shop right now. Um, Had the second half of the day off. So just been trying to uh, get some sprint car stuff done. We're racing the pavement midget next week with Josh Wise driving. So trying to get that finished up and having all kinds of fun. I'm glad you brought up Josh Wise because I was going to get there eventually. Josh Wise
0: behind the scenes is kind of like the Chevy fitness slash driver, mental coach. I mean, what would you call Josh wise? I feel like he's been pretty big in developing yourself, Kyle Larson, a lot of big name guys going through Henry or
5: uh, Chevy right now. Yeah. I mean, I think he's, he probably works on different things for for everybody, but for me, um, you know, obviously he's my trainer, but more than that, like just kind of life coach, probably like how to approach things and, Um, I think the mental side of what we do is really big. So he helps out a lot with that. Um, I'm obviously in way better shape than I was before I started training with him, but I think I'm way better off mentally as well. So, uh, he's a big part of what we do. And he was one of my heroes growing up, you know, he was really, really good in open world stuff and he's getting back behind the wheel next weekend. So I'm pretty excited to see that. You've never, I've known you for a long time. You've never stricken me
0: as a guy who took the fitness and mental aspect Super serious, I guess.
5: Um, when was it when you started kind of like embracing that and started really working on that sort of stuff? Well, when I started driving for HMS, it became mandatory. Um, they had like a set amount of time that you had to work out for during the week and like you had to log it all on Strava. And it was kind of like you could BS your way through it pretty easily if you wanted to, right? Like you can log whatever you want and say you did whatever. And um, when I started training with Josh, Like I started to enjoy it a lot more. And I think a lot of it is I really enjoy being around Josh and like hanging out with him and um, it it became fun. So um, yeah, I've been really serious about it for the last couple of years. I mean, we won Sunday afternoon and eight o'clock Monday morning, I was in the gym working out instead of laying in bed hungover. So um, definitely take it way more seriously than I used to. I think the physical side of things, you kind of get to a point and you have yourself at a point where, you know, being a little bigger, stronger, whatever, is not going to help you much more in a race car, but the mental side of things, I think you can always be better at. So, um, it's been a lot of fun. I always like to dig in because I can, we've had very similar
0: stops in our career. You've had far more success than I had, uh, now to your, in your career, but the mental side and just the confidence side, I wanted to dig in a little bit because um, there's days that we both had that we'd never expected. You'd never expected to be where you're at in your career. I'm sure when you were, uh, when you were that guy, m- almost a meme with, you know, making the hand gesture at the, at the firefighter with the damn fire extinguisher at New Hampshire. Now you're a multi-time cup winner getting a 48 card to, to victory in Dover. I, I just
5: don't, know how you could even fathom looking back or even looking forward and expect to be where you're at? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I got fired in a Taco Bell drive through line on Twitter. Like, I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff happened. And I never once thought that that I'd up, end up at, at Hendrick Motorsports from it. And, um, you know, while everybody else was in Daytona for the 500, I was sitting on a couch and got a call from Kenny Francis to come drive the simulator. And it's really what kind of sparked the chain of events that had me, you know, ready to go when, when Dale needed somebody later that year. So crazy set of circumstances and a lot of luck involved to to get me to this point for sure. But, um, just trying to like, there were a lot of bad days, right? Like you've lived it. And I did a really bad job of like managing expectations and handling those bad days. I just made myself miserable all the time. Like I was ready to quit. Didn't want to do it anymore. Hated going to the racetrack. I was super stressed out and anxious about getting in the way and ruining like a big name guy's day. Like I spun out at Kentucky one time and there was a bunch of smoke. And I think Jamie McMurray spun out through the smoke, had a bunch of McMurray fans mad at me. I blew a left front tire in the 600 and I think uh, Biffle or Edwards or somebody was leading I think it was, I think Carl was leading and he ended up not winning the race. It was like a late caution. Cause I exploded a left front tire and I had death threats over like this tire exploding that I had nothing to do with. Right. So like this, this hard times, it's not a whole lot of fun in that situation. Um, and I think some people handle it way better than I did for sure, but definitely, um, the biggest thing is it made me appreciate where I'm at way more than I would have. If I would have just gone like East series ran pretty good, won a bunch of ARCA races. If I get in that Xfinity car and like we ran really well for what that car was, but if I go win a bunch of races and I'm in like a winning cup car, I don't appreciate it nearly as much as I, as I do since I had to struggle so much. So um, yeah, it was a pretty crazy path for sure. Anybody that might follow you on
0: Instagram or Twitter knows that you do a lot of a lot of cool stuff. You're one of my favorite follows on Instagram. Just because you do all these wild different things, you're sitting there in your shop in Mooresville. You said before we jumped on the air, you're mounting a seat in a 410 sprint car. But I wanted to like because during a couple of weeks ago, you were down at Cletus McFarland's, whatever that guy's name is, the YouTube guy that owns a racetrack, driving a crown Vic around in some race. Like you're always doing something wild. You got Mark Davis and old buddy over there working on drifter cars. Why do you have so many different projects going on? And what's your favorite thing to mess with? Yeah,
5: for me, probably a, a lot like you, like I grew up with a really mechanical background, um, where I feel like you're probably more the fab guy, right? Like you have a, you're really good at fabricating, obviously built, built seats in the seat shop. Um, like you can build stuff really well. Whereas I'm like the mechanical race car setup guy. So, um, grew up how to do all my own stuff, how to set my own stuff up. Um, so I, I always really love the mechanical aspect of, of working on race cars. And once you get to a point, like you're obviously not able to do that anymore, right? Like I'm not going to walk into Hendrick Motorsports and pick up a wrench. Like there's there, that's not going to happen. They're not going to allow that. So, um, I, I wanted to continue to do that somehow. And for a long time, that was just tinkering with street cars and, um, building dumb stuff like that. But then I think 2016, uh, buddy and I built the first midget that we built and went to chili bowl, which turned into, I have four of them now, and I'm probably not going to run any of those cars at chili bowl. I'm probably going to end up with, with three new ones this year, um, or a mix. So bunch of dirt midgets. I have a pavement midget. Uh, I have two 410 spread cars. Now I have a drift car. I have a Corvette that makes 1200 horsepower to the tire. Like for me, I just like driving different stuff. Um, but even more than that, I like working on different stuff. So, um, everything in my shop, I have my hands on, I have two employees now, which is crazy to me. Um, obviously Mark works for me. And then I hired Joe Gertie this year to kind of run the sprint car program just so we could race more. But it's been crazy. I just like to, to drive different stuff. Obviously doing the Freedom 500 and stuff like that down with, with Cletus McFarland was a lot of fun. Um, gonna race the Sprint car in July, drive my drift car as much as I can, just kind of all over the place. But uh, most of it stems from just wanting to work on the mechanical side of things. So I,
0: I came to this realization when I drove that Crate Dirt late model at Bristol, just to get some experience on dirt, never driven it before. And, and I realized like first, actually there was no practice, like after the heat race, like you're picking dirt and you got, you know, like dust in your eyes and you have like these eye boogers and stuff. And it's like, there's something that running just on Sundays almost like files the edges a little bit on like that grittiness. And I feel like I know why Larson runs all the different stuff he does, because it kind of keeps you raw. And I I know Josh kind of like, Walks through that sort of things too. Is too. I don't really know how much in depth he gets, but do you feel like doing that sort of stuff kind of keeps you, k- kind of keeps that fire going and doesn't let the cup series because you don't want to like can't lean on somebody. You can't really get like smash fenders. Obviously, in a cup car, you gotta do something that kind of gets the adrenaline pumping and and gets you gets you a little gritty.
5: Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, like I don't think driving a drift car necessarily makes me a better race car driver on Sundays. I think that's a very different, um, different deal. Like tandeming and a drift deal is so different than anything I've ever done in my life. It was crazy to learn that and to continue to learn that it's been so much fun. Um, but for me, like I sat down the, the beginning of this year cause we put the wing car together, didn't know how much we were going to race it kind of just wanted to hit shows here and there. And I watched Larson kill everybody last year, every week. Um, And I feel like those cars are so fast that they have to slow everything down on Sundays, right? I sat down in the beginning of the year, like, if I'm going to pick one car that's going to make me a better race car driver on Sundays, I think a wing spread car is really the only thing that I think I can go race throughout the week. And then it helped me on Sundays. So... Um, that's what I want to do. I want to get my feet wet in that. Um, but yeah, I mean the grittiness of it and really for me, like if I wasn't racing cup, I would still be sitting here doing all these same things with these same projects and everything. So it's really just what I'm passionate about and and what I like to do and and want to do. But, um, I think some things like the, the wing car in particular can definitely help you out on Sundays. So back to, back to Sunday, historic effort out of your Hendrick motorsports
0: group. Obviously, one, two, three, four, it's been the talk of the town all week, and you were able to be the one that holds the Miles Monster Trophy. But this is your – I don't know, you've been working with Greg Eyes your entire Hendrick tenure, and I you guys are really clicking this year. How do you guys feel about
5: making a deep playoff run this season? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it really started um, probably probably Dover last year. You know, we started a really good run through the playoffs. We ended up sixth in points but we actually scored the second most points out of anybody during the playoffs. Um, We just didn't do a very good job through the summer at racking up playoff playoff points to lean back on. Um, But still, you know, the run that we put together there was really strong. This year's honestly been a little disappointing. Just we're, we either win or finish like 25th. Like there's, there's not a good in between for us. We're really inconsistent right now. We've had a lot of bad luck, dumb issues, little things go wrong. And, and ruin our day. So I feel like if we can clean that up and and get back to just executing every week and running how we should, we can win a ton of races. Um, you know, we're, we're hit and miss now and we won two of the last five. So if we can just, you know, clean everything up, we can be really good. I feel like Greg and I definitely have a great relationship. We work really well together. We're both different and awkward in a sense. And, um, I think we enjoy each other a lot. So. It's been fun working with him, excited to continue that. And I, I think we we have a shot at it this year. We just have to get the consistency down. And I wish I knew exactly what button to push to make that happen. That's been our, our biggest downfall over the last four years. But if we can figure it out like we did for those 10 races at the end of last year, we can be really good. One more question. I was gonna move on to Would You Rathers, but after
0: this, does the does jumping in the 48, you probably didn't think it was gonna. To... You thought it would probably just be a number change, a decal change on the side of your car, but did it bring a different or a, a little more pressure uh, when you drive that 48 Ally car? And it might not. I just I, I wonder if, uh, if that's anything different to you than
5: driving the 88. Yeah, I don't really think so. Um, you know, obviously both really historic numbers in the sport. Um, a lot of great drivers drove the 88. Obviously, the the guy before me, Dale Jr., super popular, super famous, everybody's favorite. And that was really hard for me to follow up because I feel like there was some expectation of me being like this big Dale Jr. personality, popularity guy. And that's just not me. Like, I, I, I can only be myself and I was only myself. And, um, you know, I think that made getting into the 48 easier. Um, You know i've been really close with jimmy over the last couple years and it's an honor to get to drive a car that's won so many races and, and championships and um really the the biggest thing that changed for me was just working with ally they've been so cool so cool to have a partner that just embraces really things that that mean a lot to me um you know obviously with the best friends program that we have going on we've donated a ton of money now to a bunch of different shelters. Um, it's a thousand dollars a week from myself and then another thousand from ally, but then when we win it's, it's 10,000. So that's really cool. Um, they're jumping on board the dirt program. So that's really cool. It's, it's been a lot of, um, neat stuff working with them. So that's been the biggest change, really no added pressure. I put a lot of pressure on myself just cause I want to run well, but that's for me. Cause I like trophies. So, um, just trying to, to prove to people that I deserve to be here and, uh, and win races, that's really where, where the pressure comes from. Well, you certainly deserve it. You put the work in, paid your dues, and now you're reaping
0: the benefits, my good friend. Uh, right. last little bit, we got a couple would you rather questions. All right, you declined after Richmond win, so now you're gonna get them hard and heavy. Don't write them down, they come right off the top of my head. So strap, them. all Special. right, send it. Would you rather race? the pro invitational series every week or go back in time and drive for BK again
5: for a year. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm, I didn't know what you were going to come up with to make me say pro invitational, but I'm going with pro invitational for sure. Uh, yeah, I attest to that. Now,
0: I think we both can, we can both agree We probably both wouldn't be here if it
5: wasn't for BK. Now, that's not fun or paid very well, but it did get to where we are. Absolutely. Definitely wouldn't be here without them. A lot of good people work there, but, yeah, it was uh, not the most fun. No, it was not. Number two, we usually do some sort of food-related question. Um,
0: Would you rather, for a month straight, would you rather drink racetrack lemonade or... Eat nothing but Martinsville hot dogs.
5: Oh, that's like drinking a bucket of sugar. Sugar, <laughs> or martins or eating a, eating a eating a a a wiener of salt. Pick your poison. Yeah. Well, you can't drink regular water if you have the lemonade, right? Straight up lemonade. Okay. Yeah. No. So you gotta go with the hot dogs because I feel like. You'd race better on water and hot Still dogs a chili coleslaw dog in Martinsville. Than you would on straight le- nothing but lemonade, because like y- you'd be junk. Yeah, that that is that is for sure. All right.
0: Number three. And it's not a would you rather. It's a it's a deep thinking question, big hitter. If you had to pick one race car and one racetrack for the rest of your life to race on, what are you doing? Pavement hey, midgets at our own. There you go. That was the quickest answer we've had. We've had everything from F1 Cars to Spa, pavement
5: midgets at Irwindale. Because you kind of grew up out there racing that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, when I tell people that I grew up running open-wheel stuff and racing midgets, people think I'm like a dirt guy. And I ran dirt, you know, I probably ran 12 or 15 dirt midget races, but I ran pavement midgets. That was my thing. That was what I was really good at. Um, won a bunch of races on the West Coast, had a lot of fun. So pavement midgets at Irwindale, like the race, the big race out there when I was a kid was Turkey Night. And while now that's a dirt race, it was a pavement race when I was growing up. And you get Casey Kane, Tony Stewart, um, you know, Michael Lewis, uh Dave Steele, Josh Wise, like these amazing race car drivers come out and they just put on the best show. So that was a race I always wanted to win and I broke leading two years in a row there. So never won it because after that, um, they stopped going there and stopped racing pavement midgets and my pavement midget had actually been sitting, uh, ever since then that was like 2011 or 12, the last time they ran there. Um, I think 11 and now they're going back to IRP. And Josh Wise was on the same program. That was always his favorite thing to race. So that's how he ended up uh, bringing this car back and, and getting back in it. Giving back to the people who are helping you out.
0: Love to see it. Alex Bowman, thank you for jumping on Stag and Pennies. Good job sweet. Yeah, man. Thanks.
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. And support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
5: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are.
0: We have a couple different e-NASCAR races this week. We have the Coke iRacing Series as well as the Pro And all this segment is refreshed by Coca-Cola. Merriman, what we got on tap this week?
2: So we film this on Tuesdays. So tonight, or if you're listening on Wednesday. Tuesdays released, at 9. Yes. It's Tuesdays at 9. Yeah. So basically Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. They had the race at Coda, the uh, the nascar Coca-Cola I Racing Series, which is already done by the time this comes out. But uh, that's going to be a big one. Then you guys Wednesday night are in action. It, the it, big dogs it, come it, back into it, town at Coda as well. But look, <laughs> look, man these these guys in the no. Coca-Cola I Racing Series are infinitely better than the guys that race in the Promotational Series. They uh, the season this year is pretty interesting, right? So I think they have ten playoff spots, and they're creeping up on, you know, having more winners than playoff spots a season. So same deal with Cup. You win and you're in, so you say. But if you have, you know, 11 different winners and there's only 10 spots, it's not necessarily the case. So the pressure's on some of these guys in here.
0: Explain to me how the Coke I Racing series is different than the Pro Invitational series.
2: Well, these guys get money for their wallet uh, when they win. Okay. So the purse – like not just like a couple pennies here and there. These you're, guys are stacking big ones to win. I race. You're talking about three hundred thirty thousand dollars. You know, that's is this the total purse? That's what the that's, guy who that's wins. That's total purse. I don't think the champion
0: wins that much. Uh, I remember that guy. I remember that guy last year dri- driving? I think he was driving for Roush, and he wins the championship, and his mom's in there, and they're all. I think it was like ten grand, maybe even more than that, forty or something. I think it might have been a hundred grand. Call it a hundred. I think it was a hundred. Gosh, I mean. That's a lot of money for video games.
2: That's man. a lot of money for, you know, some of these kids that win it are, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, I think.
0: If you were 17 years old when, when I race and race iRacing, Skip, what what do you buy? Oh, d-
3: nothing good. A no, four-year-old Maserati. Depreciating, <laughs> depreciating assets for sure. But I can tell you this, them guys have to work way harder than I want to work to be good at For either. sure.
0: And and I, that's something I wanted to get into is the time investment that these guys do. Because my brother does it a little bit. He's actually pretty good at it. He's in like the Discord chats and they're sending setups back and forth. And you're on the Discord stuff and you're probably on a little more than I am. How much
3: time are like the... The guys that are actually competitive and winning races spending during the week. I think they hundred hours could I, be. It, it's a ton, right? Yeah. And they they have the same tricks and traits. Like it, it almost is parallel to what we do, right? They find ways to uh, kind of cheat the the setup system, whether it's reverse sway bar load, and they have these graphs they look at. So just like anything else, the more work you put in it, the better you are. And I, uh, but I
2: mean, there's there's real money in it. I mean, oh. there are real sponsors on these cars. You got guys. Junior owns a car. William Byron owns a car. Danny's got one. I mean, there's there. Big- Jim Beaver even owns a car. Yeah, Jim well, Beaver. You,
1: you got uh, Kyle Long. Yeah, owns a team. Who's I mean- Jim Beaver?
0: <laughs> he's got an esports team. Uh, he's a he's a mogul.
1: Yeah,
2: in so, esports gaming. But look, I mean, it's 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 real deal racing in terms of. I mean, you're not out there tearing up actual race cars, but
0: hang on, you're so real money. So let me let People me say are spending this. real money. If you're somebody who does the Twitch and and like actually wants to watch people play like video games that are good at it? Don't watch the pro series on FS1 on Wednesday night. You got to watch the professionals at it on Tuesday nights at nine o'clock, because there's a good chance half the guys like I'm in my basement. I let me tell you my iRacing setup. My internet or whatever it is is in my bedroom in the top level of my townhouse. I have to run hundred and fifty foot long internet cable down the stairs to my rig, and it still doesn't work. So, like, that's the kind of rig I'm talking about. When you got these guys, when you've got Logan Campit and Keegan Leahy, those guys aren't worried about their cars flashing up and down. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, these guys take it serious. The guys on Sundays racing on Wednesday nights, well, we don't, don't take it that
2: serious. The past, of, the past couple of Coke Series races, with the exception of a few, I mean, it's not surprising to have them go clean and green. Because these guys are, are that on good. top of it.
0: Yeah. Can we talk about Josh Berry for a second? I feel like it's a good crossover.
2: $100,000. Got a race win earlier this year. Uh, he's on a pretty good trajectory.
0: It's not far-fetched to think, Chuck, chime in on this, that you might see within the next five or six years, somebody who, you know, is a younger guy, get a look from actual team to plug. And, that, and I think they're starting to do a little bit of crossover here and there. So, like, if there is a uh, – you know, a hot shot on the Coke iRacing series, it's not far-fetched for somebody to try to give them a shot in real life.
1: William Byron. I know we talk, we Byron, talk about Josh William I Josh
0: Berry. We mean, talk like,
1: about it all the time with William Byron, but like I said, Josh Berry, and, you know, if, if folks that are listening to this want to do it, you can, you can qualify for it for the Coke series. Have how to do you go, do that? Well, to qualify for the Coke series, you got to compete in the Road to Pro series. So if you go to iRacing.com, I think it's forward slash eNASCAR, forward slash road dash to dash pro.
2: It's all points based. Yeah. <laughs> it is, and if if look, if you're not, I think if you're not in the top half of the field at the end of the iRacing the Coke Series deal, yeah, you get shipped back down. You're which, whacked, bro, you, and you have to earn your way back.
1: Which yeah. I love that. That's like the soccer model, the relegation model. Like you got to win to stay up. You if lost you don't me, win. At soccer. Hey, look, man, <laughs> mm. but they they reward winning in that sport, and yeah. if you don't win, then you drop down.
3: Yeah, you so, get relegated. So. Forgive my ignorance on this Coke series, fixed setup or do they have no teams open that, setup. Yeah, they and can, they, have they, teams, they, they have teams. They have teams that work on it. Oh, yeah. Crew these, chiefs and these everything. These
2: dudes are living in the same place. They're racing for different teams, but they're living in the same place and helping each other. That's a conflict of I mean, interest. It's I mean, is it? It's yes. Not, if you're both benefiting?
0: No. no. Conflict. If I'm if I'm a hit on a left for a spring combination, my roommate ain't getting it. Sorry about
1: it. If you look at the teams that are involved in this, like JR Motorsports, Roush Fenway, 23XI, like, when you look at the level of team and the level of like, commitment that they're putting to this, it's just, it, this, this, this series has been going on for now 12 years, right? Mm-hmm. It's one of the longest running, if not the longest e- racing series out there. When you have teams like that that are backing it, what does that say about I'll tell you what it says.
0: It says that there's a lot of value with very limited overhead, right? Because they pay these guys a couple grand for their time, but they can slide, Roush Fenway can slide Oscar Mayer on there as just an added asset to show, because if you've got a couple hundred thousand eyeballs over the course of the year, that's valuable, right? It's
2: also a point of entry for someone at home who wants to race, who's not going to go to the junkyard and get a $600 U car and Mm. go somewhere or... I don't don't even want to know how much a late model costs.
1: Too much. Is this the promise new promise you don't want to know? Is this the mm-hmm. new like sweeping the floor at the shop to get your foot in the door type thing or do you need that at, advanced knowledge? Like, that's, well, that's a whole another. You always hear Latart La say like he started like just showing up, give me anything to do. I'll sweep the floor. You
2: got to have time to invest in IRacing to make it to the pro series. Yeah. You or the the IRacing you're not just going to Oh, I got a I got a rig last year for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna race I'm gonna race Coke series. I mean no. it's it is that is a league. Yeah. Like that is a that's a professional league. Yeah. It just happens to be online.
3: Fair enough. I, I think I think the biggest thing it does for our sport is it opens a it opens a gate for a younger generation who has, you know, I think Corey and I are probably the the last of, of our age group, there's not many like us that are going to build their own race cars and put in the work to uh, to haul it to the racetrack, wreck it, I drive it home, and fix it. These guys can log. There's this opens a floodgate for yeah. you know 20 and under that uh, is a great interest adds great interest into our sport. If you're doing that every week, you're going to watch the races on Sunday, and it gives a lot of current drivers like a Landon Castle, Parker Klingerman, Ryan Vargas. It gives them you know a, a lot of accessibility and and a lot of uh, a big platform to uh, you see sponsors getting sold last year through COVID and all that. So, it's a uh, it's a great platform for those guys to get some exposure. What I do like about
0: it is that you can be you can any anybody listening to this can be hopping on on a at random Thursday night and be racing with Tim Dugger and Dale Earnhardt Jr. and TJ Majors guys that you hear about talking about it any given night. Yeah, you know, so, so that, that's that's a great part about it.
1: So coming up uh, to, I guess it would be tonight, so last night if you're listening to the podcast, they're at Coda. And next week, Charlotte Motor Speedway. So it's following the the cup circuit. And and where, Merriman, where is it that folks can watch this?
2: Uh eNASCAR.com or on NASCAR's YouTube channel. We live stream it. Sweet. Sweet. And awesome.
0: there it is, guys. The eNASCAR section refreshed by Coca-Cola. <laughs> All right, guys, we're back for a little quick game of Heads or Tails going to a new circuit this week. But we have, you know, everybody wants to talk about, well, it's an even playing field because nobody's been on the track before. We've got Kevin Harvick driving a bush car. We've got half the field
1: driving a truck. Yes, sir, Chuck. Say, do we want to start with the fan appreciation stuff and then go to that? Mm, or, I think and, we do and, that in fair. I think we do that spare change. Because I was gonna, I was gonna be spare change. That's why you're Speaking of spare edition, change,
0: yeah. I have none this weekend because I lost three hundred bucks at the blackjack table. Okay, yeah.
1: Sorry, I messed up your flow. Then it's all
0: good. Then right. we're back. A little quick game, heads or tails. We are going to a new circuit, Circuit of the Americas. That is, nobody's been there except half the Cupfield, who's going to be running some sort of truck or Xfinity car. we c see. Kevin Harvick driving a quote unquote BJ McLeod motorsports car, which I'm sure is a Stuart Haas. He he ain't get he ain't walking out of the coach if that thing ain't a Stuart Haas car.
2: To be fair, all you guys have a chance to run it because we
0: do have a chance to run it. I just don't I have hundred and twenty five grand no, in my pocket to fire off to a bush car. In the pro run.
2: series. You'll you'll have a race under your belt. That
0: ain't the that ain't relative. It, I could I could sit there on iRace in Merriman for seven hours and still don't know where the corners are. I went down there. In December, in a Miata.
3: Decent. Wait a minute. You went down there in a BMW and blew it up, and then you drove the Miata. No, the other guy
0: blew it up. Then I started driving a Miata, which was way more fun anyways. I just
1: love the mental image of you riding
0: in a Miata. Bro. Picture of the top down. Double hair hair Oh, the flow was going extra the That had
2: the 125 tapered spacer? I yeah. don't know
0: what it is. It yeah. didn't have much Mo. It was only going like 118 <laughs> down the back. you were plate. like six seconds fast in the field. It wasn't fair. No, I was, I started off three seconds slower, ended up three seconds faster. So I picked up six, um, but yes, if
3: we race Miatas down there, boys, watch out. I'd be in good. <laughs> I shape. I would buy a Corey LaJoy shirt like Miata with the top <laughs> down, with like a big helmet, like a bobblehead helmet. Oh, that'd be good. That might be your next. If that you, might be. if you run. If you win the the I race or the regular races, we can need to make some Miata shirts. Sign Shuler. me up for the Mazda Gold Cup. That's wh- that's systems
2: my, Miata diecast.
1: That oh, yeah. might
3: be
0: where that might be where I could actually be competitive. You the know? new
1: OEM is uh, Mazda, and it's going to be Miata. That's Heck yeah, race. rotary motor. Yeah. We're bringing Sign back the convertible up. series. All right,
0: we digress for Miatas. We go in there with big boy power this weekend, 750. Got to look at guys like Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr. Who else for some road course guys? Chris Who, Bell?
2: You want me to give you the – Chris uh,
0: Bell, I don't see him.
2: Jackpot races, five to pick in group one?
0: Sure, let's make it quick.
2: Elliott, Truex, Hamlin, Byron, Logano. Byron's a question mark for me. I know he's got the, the run of top tens going. Yeah. Is he a road course racer?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And he's got Chase Elliott's notebook to work off of. Well, that's
2: true too.
0: So I, I got to keep. I, I'm going to hammer the nine. Uh, he hasn't been in victory lane all year, right? He hasn't been in victory lane yet. No. So I see him going to victory lane this week. He, it's just funny how it works. We got we give the guys who are the best at the road courses the tire test. Brad went for Ford. Martin Truex went for Toyota. Chase Elliott went for Chevrolet. But- so he's already got. Yeah, multiple but, legs up on the competition after a, only a fifty-minute practice.
2: Yeah, but do you want somebody who sucks at a road course to be giving you feedback? I would rather David Reagan course. go.
0: I'd rather go like somebody that's somewhat relevant, because if it's a half second slower, it's still you're still getting decent tire data.
2: Yeah, but don't you want somebody to push it? Like no, David Reagan's not going to push. Not a car when as hard not at when you get one fifty-minute
0: practice. If you can't go test, I don't think that anybody else should be able to go test, regardless of if, if you're current or not. I think it should be OEM. Got Drew Herring, David Reagan, Al geyer If he's not going to run a cup car, Max let, let Al
3: let Algar go. Well, is it fair for the Xfinity field
0: then? No, the racing's not fair. But at least you can do a little bit of fairness. Second jackpot race.
2: All right, Group Two: Harvick, Kyle Busch, Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson.
3: Blaney's a good road course racer. You, you look so at you look at Larson. Uh, if you go back to the Daytona Road Course. He was on path to win that thing and um, overshot one corner and a up wrecking. So as strong as they've been, as strong as Hendrick stuff has been, uh, Larson's firing off cylinders. Our old boy Cliff Daniels got him tuned up. I would I would look for him to be pre- pretty good this. There week. you have it. Hammer the five. I'm,
2: I'm gonna, gonna I'm gonna, gonna say go the remote. two because I don't think his pit crew is gonna screw up this weekend. <laughs> I think they're gonna be. Knocking all five lug nuts. I don't know. Pretty I know excited. the front changer on that thing hey. it could
1: get a little wonky. I'm going 12 on that one. I think Blaney, uh, he looked strong at Daytona on the
2: road course for a little bit. Last one. This one's interesting. And I'm not sure why this person wasn't a little higher up. But you got Bell, Almendinger, Kurt Busch, Bowman, and McDowell. There are three guys in there who I think you could argue should have been put in group two based on how they run at road courses. McDowell's a good road course racer, almond doesn't matter where it is. If he's turning right and left, he's, you know, top 10 car and bell ended up winning the Dagon thing at Daytona.
0: That's a wild card group. Cause, uh, I think a lot of it's track position too, cause this place is going to be hard to pass. You can look, I mean, obviously McDowell has a lot of road course experience, but it's hard to go against, uh, Hard to go against Chris Bell. I mean, and y'all are
2: qualifying here too. Yeah. So it's not a normal
0: Weekend. points
2: average finish set the field. I mean, mm-hmm. you so got to lay a lap down to get a good start position. We love it.
1: With all that said, with all that said, when you have the 50 minute practice session, what are you looking for in that practice session to get out of the car? Uh, just, I mean, you got to figure out
0: where the brake markers are. You got to figure out what the bounce of your car is. Um, and. and Luckily, I went down there, so I know where the corners are and roughly where the brake markers are. But when you add a take a car that's double the size or double the weight that you were used to with quadruple the horsepower, it's definitely going to be an adjustment. But
2: a lot of gravel traps. The thing there.
0: about it's a 50 minute practice. It's a two and a half minute lap time. Yeah. So you you add in the outlap, which is probably three minutes. Then you add in the cool down lap because if you just make an outlap, two hot laps, now you're talking. And then a, then a you know a pit entry lap. You're looking at Nine ten minutes for a two lap run.
2: Are they? But are they going to stagger? Are they going to like so and so's a quarter way through the track for qualifying?
0: Yeah, I, I would. and I think you can regulate that yourself. You're also going to want to probably do like the F1 cars do and just go forty percent all the way around the all around the course because you don't want to get your tires too hot.
2: Now, That'll be there something to watch. A lot of gravel traps or stuff. There? No,
0: it's it's it, you got a lot of runoff okay. for sure. A lot of asphalt runoff, so you'll be able. To, you won't ruin your day. That's a live. that's a
2: thing that always gets me we go to some of these places big gravel traps and they just cars just sink and then
0: where can guys go to win
2: 25 grand uh jackpot races search that app on uh the app store uh and play it's pretty easy right, go look it play. up there's heads or tails
0: the dover international speedway nicknamed the monster mile was constructed in 1969 Nice. And as a host of NASCAR, USAC, and IndyCar races, from 2007 to 2009, the Speedway received an upgrade, the Monster Makeover, that expanded the track's facilities. In 2008, during the Makeover, a 46 foot fiberglass creature was built outside the racetrack and named Miles the Monster. Miles the Monster had been the mascot of Dover International Speedway since 2000. He can be found in the winner's trophy, tickets to the races, t-shirts, action figures, and other memorabilia. Since 2008, he has been located at the track's Victory Plaza. His circular base contains plaques commemorating every Dover NASCAR winner since 1969, and has room for every winner until the year 2035. By the way, my name's on that thing too for Cannon Eastwind, but I digress. What is inside that base, you ask? in the grundle of the monster ask 10 fans and they will give you 10 different answers rumors have swirled for years and today we're going to break down a few of them dover air force base is only a few miles away from the track and one of the more outlandish stories is that the track was approached by the air force when the track was under renovation to become part of a national missile defense system network, given its proximity to the nation's capital. One fact that lends a little credence to this rumor is that national defense spending increased during the Bush administration, which also falls into the timeline that Dover sat out track renovations. Coincidence? Maybe, maybe not. Another fun rumor is the base of Miles actually contains a cigar lounge. It smells of rich mahogany, has leather couches and many leather bound books. If you're a fan of ice cream, maybe you're hoping that this one's true. There's an old school ice cream parlor complete with a genuine 1950s soda fountain. Not like one of those fancy Coke machines that has orange and grape and all the other odd flavors. No, no. Move over Irish Hills, Michigan. Look out, Frosty Joey and Dairy Bar might be getting a run for their money. During Firefly Music Festival, it holds after hours underground raves. To get in, you have to know the secret knock. And there's also a unique password that you have to get the bouncer, whose name's Doug, Doug the gatekeeper. One of my favorites is that it holds a four-timers club, kind of like Saturday Night Live. Once you win your fourth race at the track, you can decorate the space however you want for the next year or until another four-timer gets inducted. The possibilities are endless. Nobody really knows what's inside the Miles of the Monster. Maybe you don't want to know. Maybe one day we'll find out. And that's why you got to keep on tuning in to Corey's Stories here in and Pennies. All right, guys, another great episode here, Stacking Pennies. Thank y'all for tuning in. Time for spare change. You know what I don't have is some spare change because I lost a couple hundred bucks at the old blackjack table in Dover this weekend. But you know what I did have? I had a shout out from a man, Woody, who was sitting next to me on the blackjack table, who was there for a bachelor party with his boys. And you know what, guys? Nothing pumps me up or makes me happier. When people say, man, I listen to podcasts, love stacking pennies. Well, my man Woody was there stacking pennies with me. He was stacking them, and I was losing them. So, I man, I appreciate the support. Appreciate all the fans that were at the racetrack this week. Love to see it. Keep reaching out. Keep listening to the podcast. Subscribe. Ten stars. Reviews. All the stuff. We really appreciate it. Keep tuning in. Stacking pennies. Going to COTA this week. Road course racing. Lefts and rights be there or be square.